If you're a guest or a visitor here today, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Coastal, and we're so glad that you joined us. And we've been working through the book of Romans, and today we are on Romans chapter 7. And so we're going to dive into that here in a few moments. But let me just recap where we were at last week. And just before we get into the sermon, man, oh, man, last week's service was just incredible. Amen? We had a person receive Christ into their life for the very first time. Amen? And we had saw 10 people dunked in the tank and celebrating that they've made a public commitment to follow Jesus. And I think that's worth something we're celebrating. Amen? Amen. And as we talked about Romans chapter 6 a little bit, we talked about how salvation, the Christian experience, is more than just forgiveness and more than just forever. We talked about that, you know, when you accept Christ, God forgives you of your sin and ultimately takes care of your eternal destination. But in between forgiveness and forever, God actually wants to do a work in your life. And I was processing this with AJ, and he's like, man, you got to use the word formation. And I, I love that word because in between forgiveness and forever, God wants to form you. He wants to transform you into the image of Jesus. So in other words, God actually wants to make you look like Christ. That's what God wants to do in your life in between forgiven and forever. And I think that's pretty incredible. So we learn from Romans chapter 6 that God actually enables us, gives us the power to walk in newness of life. And that sounds great. That sounds really, really exciting. Walking in newness of life looks like freedom and liberty. It looks like walking in freedom from the things that we struggle with. So let me just ask you here tonight, how is that going? How is walking in newness of life going for you? If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, like, do you feel like you're walking in newness of life? Well, some people would say yes, and praise God, that is awesome. But I would bet that a lot of us, including myself five times, would feel like I know that I'm supposed to walk in newness of life, but I got to tell you, it sure don't feel like it. It actually feels a whole lot like Romans chapter 7, if you had a chance to read it. And so there's this tension of Romans 6 and Romans 7. Romans 6 declares that we've been set free from the power of sin. That sounds awesome. We've been buried with Christ in his baptism and raised to new life and given this ability to walk in newness of life. And that is true, and that's reality. But for a lot of us that are making this decision to figure out how to follow Jesus, a lot of us would say that our experience, even though we want Romans 6, looks a lot like Romans 7, where we struggle and feel defeated all the time. Now, let me just ask you, how many of you who want to follow Jesus and maybe have made that decision feel like you just you feel like you're always failing? How many of you feel like you're in a constant state of defeat or discouragement? How many of us feel like we just can't do this whole walk thing? I think a lot of us feel that struggle. A lot of us feel the struggle of Romans 7. We know Romans 6 is true. We know that Jesus broke the power of sin and he's enabled us to walk in newness of life, but we really struggle to possess it, to possess that newness of life. 
Nikki Gumbel tells this story who runs Alpha. He tells a story of his maternal grandparents who lived in a small fishing village called Pittenweem near Edinburgh in Scotland. They owned a host there. And in 1939, they actually rented out the host to, these, to this, to this uh, couple. And when the war was over, they wanted to actually go back and repossess their house. But the government had actually made a law that they weren't allowed to do that. So believe it or not, over the next 50 years, because of the law, they were not allowed to repossess their house. And so they died. And the uncle actually inherited the house eventually and sold it for a small sum. So this maternal grandparents of Nicky Gumbel were never able to possess this house. They owned it. They had it. It was true. But they weren't able to possess it. And as I've connected with different people, one of the things that I think comes up all the time is that there's a lot of people that believe that Christ has set them free from the power of sin, but if they were to give testimony in their own lifestyle, they'd say, yes, I know that's true. I know Christ did that for me, but I just don't experience that in my life. It's not something I feel like I possess walking in this newness of life. And just asking that question again, like, do you feel like, yes, I believe it's true that Christ has set me free from the power of sin, but my experience tells me that I haven't fully possessed this newness of life that Christ offers. And so Romans 7 really talks about this tension, this tension between what Christ has done for us in Romans 6, but also what our lived experience actually is. And so, there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on inside of us for us to, like, wrestle with who we currently are, but who God has actually called us to be. Because God has actually called us to walk in newness of life, right? Right? Okay, just checking. <laughs> Seeing if there was a pulse in the room here. God has called us to walk in newness of life, but many of us would say, actually, there's a large percentage of my life where I don't feel like I'm walking in newness of life. That, my friends, is actually the battle that we're all in. We're all in a battle, and the battle is actually this struggle to actually walk in newness of life. In Romans 7, just to be fair, is not for the faint of heart. It's a really complex passage of Scripture, but I think it teaches us something so incredible. So we're going to dive in here to Romans chapter 7. And to kick off Romans chapter 7, Paul says that we've actually been released from the law. Now, I know in Romans, we've talked a lot about the law. And it's really important to understand it, especially as we dive into Romans chapter 7. This is what Paul says about Romans chapter 7. says in Romans 7, he says, so, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. So, as a Christian, as someone who has put their faith in Jesus, you no longer have an obligation to follow the law in order to maintain a right relationship with God. Let me say that one more time because it's really important. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you no longer have an obligation to follow the law 
as a means by which you keep your relationship with God. Because we don't get right with God through following the law, right? How do we actually get right with God? We get right with God not by following the law. We get right with God through Jesus. We get right with God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's not by works lest any man should boast. It's by grace that we're saved, right? And so we don't get right with God through obeying the law. It's actually through faith in Jesus. And so we don't have that obligation. Paul used the illustration of marriage. Now, for those of you that are married, there was a point in time where you had a ceremony and you made a public commitment in the presence of God and the presence of witnesses that you're going to be faithful to that person for life. It was both a legal and spiritual vow that you made to that person. That you would be faithful to them. And you are bound to that reality. Right? Right? Man. Just check in again. Maybe we need to get some coffee in this place. Let's go. And so there's that, there's that, um, it's a contract. You're, you're legally bound to do that. And hopefully you don't do it just because you have to. Right? Guys, let's go. You guys are fun. That was awesome. You don't like love your wife or your spouse because you have to, but there is that obligation that's there. Now, what Paul was saying, he's saying, if your spouse or partner dies, you're actually free to marry. You're not bound by that agreement that you once had. And so what Paul is saying here to the Jewish people and us, you used to have to like follow the law. And the law was actually like the terms in agreement for you to have a relationship with God. And what Paul is actually saying is like, that has actually been done away with. Like you no longer have to follow the law in order to have a relationship with God. Because for the Jewish people, that's what they had to do. If they wanted a relationship with this holy and awesome God, they had to follow a certain terms and agreement. And what Paul was trying to explain was you no longer have to follow the law in order to have a relationship with God. There is a brand new way, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ alone, and not by a written code, but by an active relationship with Jesus. And this is the crazy part. This law actually brought us death because none of us followed it because we all have this thing called sin. And the Bible teaches us that this relationship we had has actually been broken. It's just, let me use this illustration. It's as if, imagine for a second, I'm a captain of a boat. And I make a commitment to sell my lobsters to a certain person. And we have this written agreement or this handshake agreement that I will sell my lobster to this person and you will give me bait and you'll be there to pick up my lobsters and take them to the lobster pound and sell them at such and such a price. Now just imagine for a second that one side of that agreement went sour, hypothetically speaking. And all of a sudden, that agreement went south. Imagine if someone like offered to buy your lobsters for 25 cents a pound. How would that go? Not so great, right? Do you think that relationship would end? Probably. So here's the deal what happened. We have not kept the agreement. The terms and agreement that we had with God was the law. And all of us haven't followed the law. Therefore, this relationship was broken and we were dead. We no longer had this relationship anymore. 
But what's amazing about God is even though we were dead in our sin, God made it possible through Christ to bring us back to life and to reestablish a new terms and agreement so we could actually have a relationship with Jesus. I know that's a little deep, but that's Romans 7, and that is fantastic news for us. Because you don't have to obey every law of God in order to have a relationship with Jesus. You know what you need to do? You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have to have a perfect life to have a relationship with Jesus. Actually, none of us can. You can have a relationship with God because God sent his son to die for you. And what blows me away is this. God was actually free to walk away because we were dead. He held up his end of the bargain over here. He followed all the terms and agreement. He could have walked away, but he loved us so much. He brought us back to life, and he established a brand new agreement. That's how much God loves each and every one of us. That's how much God wants a relationship with you. And this new agreement is not based on a written code, but it's based on an active relationship with Jesus. We're not under the law anymore, the Bible teaches us. We're actually under grace. That's what Paul says. But now by dying to, once, to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So let me just get really practical. I know it's going a little bit deep here, but serving God is not a drudgery or like, oh my goodness, I have to do this. It's not this heavy obligation anymore if you're a follower of Christ. It's, there's a new way to follow Jesus, and the Bible talks about this new way being of the Spirit. You see, when you come to faith in Jesus, God takes away your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh, the Bible teaches. A heart that actually desires to follow God. And so you don't serve God like the Old Testament out of drudgery and obligation. You serve God out of a passion and a desire to follow him. Why? Because you have a relationship with him now. That's what's different. You know God. And God gives you the power to actually be able to love him and follow him. So what's the big deal with the law anyways? Well, to the Jewish people, it was so sacred. I mean, God had given us them, you know, the, the tablets? Moses, the Ten Commandments? This was like the agreement that God gave. And so, like, to say that to the Jewish people, you've been released from the law? It would have been like, it would have been like an uncomfortable wrestling in your seat kind of conversation. They're liable to, like, throw something at you. Like, straight up. Like, it was like, what are you saying, Willis? This is crazy. Like, how can we be released from the law? So they, they were struggling with this. And not only were they struggling with it because it was their means to have a relationship with God, they were struggling with it because they're like, so how are we going to, like, actually live a moral life now if we've got no law? And that might be a question you might have. If we've got no law we have to follow, how on earth are we actually going to live a righteous life? Well, being righteous doesn't come from the law. You know where righteousness comes from? 
It comes from a relationship with Jesus. And as you have this active relationship with the Son of God, who speaks to you every single day, he puts his righteousness inside of you and gives you the desire and passion to actually follow him. You come to Christ not through obeying a bunch of laws, and then after you become a Christian, you don't stay right with God by obeying a bunch of laws. You actually stay right with God by having an active relationship with Jesus. Do you see the difference? But so often, we're convinced to go back the other way. To feel like we need to perform to maintain our relationship with God, and that's actually not how it works. In the Old Testament, they obey the laws to maintain this relationship with Jesus. And so the Jews would have been asking, okay, so what do we do with the law then? If, that's, if we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace, well, what do we do with the law? What's the purpose of the law? I had someone ask a question in Bible study. So like, what's the difference between like Old Testament living and New Testament living? Well, the difference is, is one, we don't have to follow the law to have a relationship with God. And the second thing is the law actually is still useful because it helps us identify our sin. Paul says this, he says, the law came about in order that sin might be recognized as sin. Let me use this illustration. So your kids would not know that they shouldn't stay up too late unless what? You told them you got to go to bed a certain hour, right? There is bedtime. So unless you told them that there was a certain bedtime, they wouldn't know. They probably stay up till 3 a.m. watching YouTube kids, right? Or if, like Paul goes on to say, he says, I would have not known that coveting is wrong unless the law told me. I would not have known that, like, wanting my buddy's boat or wanting his car or wanting whatever else he had, I wouldn't known that was wrong unless the law told me that you shouldn't want what other people got. That's coveting. But because the law says do not covet, we know that that's actually a sin. And I think we struggle big time with coveting. I think coveting drives a lot of our motivations. We see what other people have and it motivates us to go and get stuff so we can kind of like maybe one-up them or something, right? It's not wrong to have stuff. But it's wrong to actually look at what other people have and be motivated and driven to saying, I've got to have more, I've got to have more, I've got to have more. And what that does to our soul, it actually kind of sucks the life right out of our soul. And I think it would be fair admission that we could all make here together that coveting is an issue that we have in our community. Because it feels so like competition, does it not sometimes? And like we don't go and steal other people's stuff, maybe some people do that. Don't do that, by the way. But I think our issue is not as much with that in this community. It's, it's more, we see what other people have. We want what they have, so we're like, oh, yeah? And we actually let covetousness drive our motivations, and that forms our soul in a horrible way. That's formation, all right. That's not good formation. And I think a lot of us have been formed into that. And so the law is there to teach us that that is not good. We shouldn't be wired that way. So the law actually is helpful because it shows us that we have a problem internally. But the law also does something that is not helpful. And it wakes up our desires. 
my, uh, my daughter, we were away this weekend, and my daughter um, made us these uh, delicious little cupcakes here. Mm-hmm. Oops. Dropped a sprinkle. Can you all see that? It's got like a candy egg on top. And now, what I mean by waking up our desires, if I put this cupcake here, like so, someone said I want it, right? That's where I'm going. So I put that cupcake there. Now, the whole concept is this. When I say a law, it actually arouses the desire to do something. So when I, the Paul said, when I say, do not commit adultery, do not lie, do not covet, Paul is saying, when you hear that commandment, it actually arouses that desire inside of you. Let me kind of illustrate this. If I tell you all in this room right now, do not eat the cupcake, what do most of you want to do right now? Eat the cupcake. If I tell you all, for the rest of the service, do not look at the cupcake. Some of you already did. So what Paul is trying to illustrate here is this, is that when you hear a commandment, do not commit adultery, do not lie, do not do these such things, when you hear that, it actually wakes up that desire in your sinful nature. It arouses, the Bible teaches us, that desire. The Bible says sinful passions aroused by the law. It's kind of like, for those of you that have dogs, we don't have dogs, we like other people's dogs, but for those of you that have dogs, it's like when you say, you want a treat? What do they do? <laughs> right? In the same way, when, the law, when you hear the law and it says, do not do this, do not covet, do not lie, it actually wakes up the desire in you to do it. And Paul is saying after this, is like, this is brutal. It's like, I got to get free from this idea of not following the law and my relationship with God is not based on performance and my mind is trained to think that way. And then... I've got this sin that I thought was buried with Christ, and it's always kind of coming back to life every time I hear the law. Every time I hear the law about do not commit adultery or do not covet, it's waking up these desires in me that I thought were put to bed. And Paul is saying, what a wretched man that I am. Who on earth can deliver me from this body of death? Does that not sound like a battle? Does, not, does that not sound like the struggle you're in right now? Because it is. That's the battle that you and I face as followers of Jesus. It's no wonder you're so played out. Because following Jesus is not easy. It's hard. It's much easier to do what you want, when you want, how you want, on the time that you want. But what does that lead to? Heartache and pain. But when you make the decision to follow Jesus... You're starting to do what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. And let's be honest, that's not easy. That's really, really hard. And Paul says it like this. You still looking at that cupcake or why? He says, for what I want to do, check this out. This is powerful stuff. You'll connect with this. For what I want to do, I don't do. And the evil I don't want to do, I end up doing. That's a struggle. And I think a lot of us have been there. The Christian life is a battle. It's a struggle. And the biggest opponent we have is me. 
It's us. We does what he shouldn't do. Listen to this. The things that we're not supposed to do, we end up doing. When you promised yourself you'd never go back to that website again, what do you find yourself doing? Going back. Or you feel like, man, I don't need to buy another thing off Amazon. What shows up a week later? The stuff we don't want to do, we end up doing. And the good that we're supposed to do, we don't do. Man, maybe I should start reading my Bible again. Falls by the wayside. I should spend some time in prayer and we fall asleep. That's a struggle. That's the battle of a Christian. And what ends up happening is we have so many believers that are struggling with discouragement. Struggling like they're just always failing God. And they live in this Romans 7 reality. Even though there's a Romans 6 reality. God has called us to walk in newness of life, but it's such a battle. And I think we try to fight this battle on our own. And I'm here to tell you, if you're trying to follow Jesus in your own strength, the chances of, the chances of winning this battle is a big old goose egg. It's zero. You'll never feel like you're walking in freedom and victory if you're trying to fight this battle in this life on your own strength. It just won't happen. I love... Galatians chapter 2, because it says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. That's Romans 6 language. But Christ lives in me. But in order to kind of live out this life now, we have to admit that we don't have the strength and power to actually follow Jesus. That the life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. It's a, God wants to bring us to the point where we are totally dependent on Jesus, not in our own strength. I'm going to invite the worship team to come at this time. See, the gospel is this. We no longer have to follow the law to have a relationship with Jesus. That we are no longer slaves to sin anymore. That's what Romans 6 says. We've been set free from sin, and God has brought us back to life and even though we're going through these two battles the battle in our mind that's trying to constantly convince us and condemn us for our performance and this sin that keeps trying to rear its ugly head inside of us even though we're going through this intense battle as a follower of Jesus this is what Paul says thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord you know that we serve a God that is not dead. He's alive. There was a, a journalist that worked for this major newspaper company in London. And he was scrolling through articles in this newspaper office. And he was looking through articles about dead people. I don't know why, but he was. And as he was scrolling through these articles about these dead people... He found that, for whatever reason, Jesus was put in the section of articles for dead people. And he kind of like looked over his shoulder to make sure no one was looking. And he shifted the articles from the dead section to the living section. Most other religions that have leaders, most of their leaders are dead. 
they haven't come back to life. The audacious claim that we make as Christians is that our leader was dead, but he's actually alive right now. That he is active and working and doing stuff right now. That's the difference for us as followers of Christ. We know that Jesus fulfilled all the requirements for the law. He brought us from death to life. He reestablished a new agreement through his body. He set us free from the law that brought death. He broke sin's power in our lives. And he delivers us when we're struggling and wrestling and battling. And something else that God is doing, he is interceding and praying on our behalf when we're going through every battle and every struggle. And you know, when we go through those battles and struggles, God is actually pleased with us. We don't feel it in that moment. But if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, he is your father. And he takes great delight in you. So maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you are in a struggle. Well, the battle belongs to the Lord. Jesus is almighty and all-powerful God. And he's not dead. He is alive, living and breathing and moving. And if you're here tonight and you feel like you're in a battle... You're going through Romans 7, and you need someone to pray with you. We've got two people at the back that would love to pray with you if you feel like maybe there's something you need to confess. Maybe you need to admit, man, like I'm doing it on my own strength, and I need someone to help me walk this life. Or maybe you just need to come and worship him and say, God, I'm going to fight on my knees because I know the battle belongs to you. I'm in the battle. I'm in the middle. But God, I trust in you in the midst of my struggle, in the midst of my fight. Father, we thank you that the battle belongs to you. And I just pray in the name of Jesus for those battling in this place tonight, for those struggling, whatever they might be struggling with, God, I pray for freedom in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, you bring hope and liberty, God, that you would breathe your encouragement into our spirits. We know that, God, that you'd free us in our minds and you'd free us in our hearts, God. God, you are an amazing God, and you invite us into this amazing relationship. So would your spirit just pour out freedom in this place? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet as we worship. If you need prayer, please pop back.